Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising Podcast, Journeys of Descending into the Mysteries and Rising from the Roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, spiritual mentor and priestess. I have guided hundreds of women through my one-to-one mentorship, online courses, and Patreon portal into the mysteries within them to rise rooted into their sovereign selves. And today I have Matt Finland on the show with me. Matthew is the founder and CEO of two personal development businesses. One is focused on the mind, the Human Potential Academy, and the other, the body. A hundred days of discipline. He is an international speaker and coach with a proven track record of leading teams, facilitating large-scale business mergers and acquisitions, and expanding his teams throughout North America, Asia, Europe, and Africa. For over 10 years, the founder of the Human Potential Academy has been empowering people with the knowledge, tools, and trainings he's learned on his own personal journey. Discover yourself leadership potential with Matthew Finland. Can't wait to dive into this episode with you. If it resonates, please like, share, consider making a financial contribution by joining the Patreon portal. Can't wait to sink into the medicine of this episode with you. Okay, welcome, Matthew. And to start, we're going to start with the big question of what has been the journey that has led you to the work that you're offering the world today? Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, That's a big question. Um, So what's led me to doing the work that I've been doing today? So I started, uh, I'm from a small town in the interior of British Columbia. Um, I'm an only child and I grew up outside of that small town. So it was me, the dogs and my imagination. And I do believe that uh, the imagination that I had as a child, um, which, you know, now we're in like an epidemic of children without imagination because there's so much like stimulation and and things like this going on, um, that that has played a large part in, in a lot of what I'm doing. Um, two loving parents, um, now with all the knowledge that I've got, um, you know, didn't come from a lot of money, but they did a phenomenal job as parents. And I, I attribute that to a lot of what I, of who I am and what I do now. So I grew up in the small town, um, for 18 years, I ended up coming down to Vancouver, going to BCIT. And then I ended up getting a job in door to door sales. And I was 20 years old when I learned about commissions. So I didn't even know what commissions were until I was 20 years old. And it just blew my mind. Like, I couldn't believe that there was like unlimited earning potential based off of how hard I work. Like one thing that always like messed me up was like, if I'd go in to a job, hungover, you know, half effort, I'm getting paid the same amount as if I show up and put my whole heart and soul into it. And so as a result, like I was showing up and I was not putting my whole effort into it. Why would we? Then I found this and I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, my dad really instilled that like small town, work hard, hard worker type attitude. So when I was going door to door, there's this concept called law of averages. It's basically like the more you do something, the more... Th- outcomes will happen. So the more people you talk to, the more no's you'll get, and the more yeses you'll get. And so typical door-to-door sales people are, you know, dragging their bums, smoking cigarettes, you know, going to Tim Hortons for lunch. I had a packed lunch. I was running between doors. I wasn't smoking cigarettes. And so I was producing a lot of sales. And as a result, 
I got promoted and then I was training people my second week. And then within three months, I got offered the opportunity to move out to Ontario. I won't go too deep down to that. Otherwise, I'll go on and on and on. But what ended up happening was I didn't actually know how I was actually getting sales. And so I had to research and find out what was going on because now I'm hiring people and I need to, if they don't get sales, that their well-being is at, is at stake. And so I became obsessed with how people learn, remember, and then execute on information. And so I've been um, deeply obsessed with neuroscience and psychology for over a decade now. And, you know, I kind of had this connection with God, you know, kind of didn't growing up, kind of did. And um, I began to like really see the like creation aspect of everything and how it's all uh, like I have this saying that I, that, I, that I say, which is like eventually coincidences are evidence. They're no longer coincidences. It's just evidence and it's just data that's collecting up now. And so I... Um, Anyways, I've been able to train record-breaking sales teams, and I teach very little about actual sales and business, probably 10 15%. The rest I teach about healthy mind, healthy heart, healthy body, healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And as a result, people are happy, healthy, confident, and they can sell because that's like the, the secret keys to getting s- sales is confidence, which comes from being healthy and having good relationships. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Anyways, I was doing that for for years. Um, I had a process which was master the sales process, uh, sell a lot of people, and then teach people to sell, and then teach people to teach. And once you can teach people to teach, you can your process is duplicated. And so I was able to open up several offices out in Ontario. You know, I made a lot of mistakes early in my career, like most entrepreneurs do. I didn't know about business taxes. That's one of the big things behind Human Potential Academy. Like I want to raise the next generation to know how to actually do taxes. I can't figure out why they don't teach us that. I just can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it's absurd. <laughs> and um Anyway, so I was doing that all in Ontario. I had enough of it out in Ontario, I, you know, for a handful of reasons. And I wanted to come back uh, to BC. So I came back to BC. And then I, um, after three and a half years, and then I ended up uh, one of my old friends from BCIT. I went to school at BCIT for, for one semester. Um, showed me actually a uh, little product shout out for Kongan Water. Um, some people are familiar Um the Japanese product makes uh, um, ionized hydrogen-rich water. Super amazing. Uh, their compensation plan is unbelievable. And so I s- quit everything that I was doing and I started doing that full-time. What ended up happening with that was I ended up um, sending a video of my pitch to an old friend of mine from Hong Kong and he ended up joining my team. And I was like, oh, I know how to train. I know how to train people. I'm going to go to Hong Kong and train a team. Cool. So I flew there for three weeks. And on the ninth day, I knew I was actually in the shower. I uh, got a download from God. It was an alpha brainwave state. And it was like, you need to move here. And I was like, really? Like, okay. And I went down and told my my business partner, I'm, I'm, I was in a shower. God told me I need to move here. And he looked at me and he was like, yeah, it's like, I believe that. So I came back for a couple of months, ended up going back to Hong Kong. And I lived in Hong Kong for three years. Um, I was doing a few different business things when I was out there. Um, uh, I was got blessed with some really great opportunities um, when I was out there. But here's, here's where now we start to really shift. So what ended up happening was I, I have a, um, my, my philosophy and our philosophy at Human Potential Academy is the five pillars of human potential, the financial pillar, the physical pillar, 
the emotional pillar, the mental pillar, and the spiritual pillar. When I was, and I've been developing that for time now, six or seven years. And um, so I was out there and I was, I had a, I went through a really deep spiritual awakening right before I went out there. Um, we can dive a little bit into that if you'd like, but I had this huge awakening and I was really tapped in. Like I, I could, I could hear that voice and it was like, Hey, you know, Hey, Matthew, if you do this, it's not going to go well for you. Mm. If you don't do this, it's going to go really well for you. And I, of course, go do it. And then it wouldn't go very well for me. And I began taking data, right? I began hearing this voice and taking the data. And soon enough, it added up, it added up, it added up. When I was in Hong Kong, partying a lot, like four to seven days a week, you know, and most of the time, not all the time, which is really interesting, but most of the time that voice comes in and it's like, hey, if you go and do this, it's not going to go well. If you don't do this, it's going to go well for you. And I was, you know, sure enough, I'd go out. Sometimes it'd be like, you should go out tonight. And they go, okay. And I'd go out and I'd meet people and they, they would end up having like big parts of my life. So I'm playing with this on and off for years. Um, <clears throat> I was living in Hong Kong and um, after a New Year's Eve party that was just ridiculous, I was hung over January 2nd, January 3rd, January 4th, January 5th. I'm going to the hospital. I thought I was sick or something. Like, no, you just like need water and da da da. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. And um, my best friend, Luke, um, we own a business called the hundred days of discipline. And um, how this all started was he was, it, it was January 6th, and he was on his 60th day. So he was posting every day on Instagram, day one, day two, day three, day four, it's just body weight exercises. And I'm looking at him, he comes from a similar party background as me looking at him, he's shredded, right? I'm on my fifth day of a hangover. And I'm like, you know what? No. And so I started my own 100 day challenge, my own 100 day journey. What ended up happening was just phenomenal, because it was like the discipline from doing this bled over into my other pillars, specifically, actually kind of all of them, I've always had a very strong mental pillar, but specifically financial, emotional and spiritual. So financial, I stopped procrastinating in my business. I had that to-do list. I just attacked it every time. Self-discipline is the highest form of self-love. And the, how much you love yourself is the capacity that you got to love other people, right? So I like to think of it like, like vessels. So is your capacity for self-love the size of a cup? Is it the size of a bowl? Is it the size of a pool? Is it the size of an ocean? And then the water is what you've got to actually pour in terms of giving other people. So my self-love went up, my love for others, my patience for others went up, um, for my loved ones, stop fighting, more patience, relationships flourished. And then my spiritual pillar, I describe it as like, it was like a raging bonfire that had a whole bunch of jet fuel poured onto it when I unlocked the, the physical pillar, right? Like it's everywhere in so many texts. So the most famous one is um, Jesus saying that the, this is the temple right? This is the temple, not that building. The body is the temple. And so, <clears throat> so um, we've been doing that for over three years now. And, um, you know, influenced tons of people. We've got a business through it. It's a, uh, uh, just qu quickly, it's a uh, hundred day uh, body weight workout. Uh, we have easy, medium and rough easy. We've had people, um, we have uh, someone that's over 70 right now. We've had postpartum women. We've had people with vegas nerve damage. The 100 Days of Discipline is 
about mental and emotional discipline. We just use the physical daily discipline as that tool to strengthen the discipline. Um, I can't say enough about how much uh, daily discipline in that arena just changed my life. And so I <clears throat> was doing that. And then it was kind of like the perfect storm when I'm living in Hong Kong with like Chinese level COVID lockdowns. I broke up with my girlfriend. Like there's a few different things. And I was like, I'm going to go back to Canada now. And so I came back to Canada. I didn't know if I was going to stay in the country. So I was kind of back and forth between Vancouver, working with some of my Kongan water teams back with my parents. This was in 20, um, 2021 yeah 2021 at the end of 2021 i was um helping some of my friends in the lower mainland here in vancouver uh that were like spiritual wellness uh, entrepreneurs coaches right and i was helping them with sales a lot of times uh, em the empaths or healers um like they can't even say the word sales, right? They're like mm -hmm. sales. Ugh. And then they're not making enough money. They're wondering why things aren't working. So, um, so I was helping them with sales, right? And one of the pieces of advice that I gave them is you have to find each, you have to find a niche. Um, and then I was like, Oh, this is a niche right now. I'm coaching wellness coaches on how to actually build a business, do negotiation, charge what they're worth, uh, blah, 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 blah. And so I was like, okay, um, I'm going to try this out. I started helping one of my friends for free. And in our first one hour session, she said that she got more value from that than a 10 week business course that she had just finished. And so mm -hmm. she referred me to one of her friends and that was my first paying client. And then I had another one and then I had another one and another one and another one and another one. I, I kept like refining my process, upping the prices, building up a testimony base. And what ended up happening was, um, this uh, woman named Elle, um, she ended up wanting to teach the program that I taught her. So she she's a fascial practitioner and she works with trauma, but the information that I provided her, she wanted to combine her fascial techniques with the uh, psychological resilience uh, training that I taught her. And that was the, the birthing of Human Potential Academy. So she sent me back. She's like, did you know this is how much resources you sent me over three months? And I was like, no, like I didn't know. When I first started my first client, I was like, I don't have a course. I can just help you do business. And then mm -hmm. what ended up happening was I had different, uh, primarily women. I work almost entirely with women. Um, they had different goals. So like this woman wants to make a lot of money. This woman wants to build her relationships. This woman wants to uh, strengthen her physical pillar. But 80% of the information that I provided was the same. Whether you want to get more sales, build your relationships, same information. I was like, oh, there's a, there's a course here. Okay. And so <clears throat> now this year, it's just been so like, I, the only way to describe it is that it's scaled out of control and out of control is it's like every time, oh, you know, it'd be great if, if we just had someone that was amazing at hosting events. Boom, Brian appears and he's like, oh, we have the same vision. We have the same dream. Let's partner. You know, it'd be amazing if I had someone that was like in bioenergetic medicine or someone that knew how to do like social media and branding. Boom, Bay appears. You know, it'd be amazing if we had someone that was like really good at systemizing and uh, using, organizing events and the bat and boom, Selena appears. It's like wham, 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 like bup, 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 scaled like mad. And now um, 
with Human Potential Academy, we have two divisions and we're uh, going to be opening up a third in the future. So we're an educational academy. Um, we focus on the five pillars. And what makes us so uh, unique is that we have a, our main program is called the Courage Program. And we have, we have what we call the Courage Tenets. But then it's the, the coaches teach the Courage Tenets plus their skill set. So, for example, if someone needs, say, mental pillar and financial pillar, I would partner them with, say, Selena. Mm-hmm. And it would be the courage tenets plus her medicine. If someone wants, say, emotional pillar and physical pillar, okay, I might partner that person with Brian and Bay or Bay or Brian. And they teach the courage tenets plus their medicine, whether it's breathing and movement and embodiment practices with Brian or bioenergetics um, medicine with, with Bay. And so we've got a widespread of coaches and the, and we partner the client with their respective uh, coach and, um, and it's been working. Like it just, it works, it works, it works, it works. We're um, starting a youth Academy division. Um, I won't say too much about that now, but we're starting to work with kids. We're developing a program with a good friend of mine who does college admissions. Uh, he lives in London right now. We're going to be working with, it's looking like uh, children that are in grade nine and grade 10, pre- preparing them with our psychological resilience and goal achieving course as they go into the grade 11 and 12 and start going into the college admissions um i'm almost done (laughs) we've got (laughs) events um and so our events we have tons of events we have like um uh, our main events which is actually a two-week event where we we have an intention week an in-person four-hour intensive uh breath work and meditation and embodiment and then a week of integration um uh where monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday financial physical emotional mental spiritual into intention embodiment integration and then all the different coaches come together and host these different types of events. So like, for example, Selena and I are planning on doing a sales and systems event. Um, Selena and L have done an, uh, it's called expand fascia and yoga. Uh, Brian and I have a, a heart brain coherence workshop. Uh, we're going to do a, a, a sacred smoke workshop where we're going to d- take, you know, different things that different cultures smoke and we're going to, do this like fun type of event. So different coaches from their different respective fields pair up and then we host events. Some are free, some are paid. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the future, we're going to be rolling out a practitioner division, which is what we call real medicine. So things like traditional Chinese medicine, uh, massage, uh, uh, electroacupuncture by vol, um, probably going to get Reiki in there and and different modalities of, of preventative and also reaction medicine. So that that's how I got started. <laughs> nice. Nice. What are the main blocks that come up for, you know, healers, wellness people and receiving money? I know mm-hmm. in my experience, that was something I really had to dive into was my, were my money stories, my money blocks. Cause there was this idea. I shouldn't be charging that much for my work. Yeah. I'm a healer. I should be doing this for free. You know, mm-hmm. there was, there were so many stories and I s- used to see that all the time in the spiritual community. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we shouldn't be charging. So what, what are the blocks that come up around money? Totally. There, there's honestly a handful. Um, it's kind of like a, a joke that we've got right now, which is like, like right now we've, we've fractioned, like we've fractaled healing. Like it's like, 
the, the joke that we say is, is like, if you want to make $10,000 a month in your business, perfect. We can definitely help you do that. How's the relationship with your father? Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, what do you mean? Like, I need to learn sales. I need to learn. It's like, no, no, no. We can't even go there until we address the trauma about your uh, self value. Right. Like as a society, we've like, if you're, if you're overweight and you want to lose weight and you're stressed, you can go take a personal trainer. You can eat the best food. But if your cortisol is through the roof, your body's retaining. So you actually need to go to a psychiatrist. If you're depressed, you go to a psychiatrist. Well, you actually need to exercise. So anyways, to to wrap this up, that's kind of a multifaceted question. So it depends on the individual largely. Um, uh, There's kind of two domains. And one of them is um, getting over the fact about making money and sales in general. Sales doesn't have to be, you know, sell me this pen. Sales for me has always been effective communication. So like one of the areas where I first brought sales, uh, someone, uh, they were very resistant to sales. They were, they were um, in science going for their master's. And all of a sudden they need to convince a board of people about their project if they want to get funding. So now all of a sudden the scientist who shuns salespeople needs to come up with a proper pitch. Um, every time we're in an interview, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So getting over that, number one, not all, all salespeople are like evil. Mm. And two, it's really just effective communication. I have a workshop that I, that I run called Compassionate Closing, where as a healer, if you believe that your healing modality is going to heal the person and you fail to convince them, you have done them a massive disservice. Mm-hmm. You've done a massive disservice. Now, here's another interesting thing about the, because I really like grapple. I grappled with this for a long time until I learned, I learned what I'm about to tell you. And I'm so grateful that I actually ended up uncovering this about healing and uh, providing our medicine. And we want to give it to everybody. And we feel conflicted when people can't afford our services. It's like this person really needs it, but they can't afford it. So I'm just withhold this medicine and allow this person to go on their way and suffer here's the reality with these types of things and canada is actually the best example because of our private medicine sector Mm. so in canada we have public medicine as everybody knows and we also have private medicine Um, optometry right eye medicine and teeth medicine is currently private if you go back 20 years laser eye surgery in canada seven thousand an eye so it was only for the financially elite. The regular common folk couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. This is how medicine works. First, it's very expensive because the technology is new um, and, and for a, a variety of other reasons. But as time goes on, all this money is getting dumped into it. The technology is refining. More people are going to have access to it. They're able to decrease the price of the medicine over time. I got both of my eyes, uh, laser eye surgery last, not last August, the August before that. And it was in total with medicine, $4,000 in total. Mm-hmm. It's about 1.5 an eye and then about $1,000. And I accounted like I had to like buy food while I was bedridden and stuff like that. So go back 20 years, 14K in total before medicine. Let, two years ago, 20 years later, it was a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. So this is how these types of medicines work, right? This is how it works. When a lot of money starts getting dumped into services, they can grow and expand and become more accessible to the public. So I really think like just educating people around, like you need 
especially now with what's going on economically, inflation and stuff like that, it's like the healers, if your cups aren't filled, who's going to heal? If you're not taking care of yourself and not just taking care of yourself, thriving, if you're not able, because you can, you can be the most grounded individual all day. If you're worrying about rent, you're not in the optimal mind state to heal. If you're eating crap food, you're not in the optimal mind state to heal. And if you're not in an, I say optimal, but if you're not in a, if you're really operating at a deficit, you should not be healing people because you're going to be putting your negative energies into the person taking on their negative energies because you're, you don't have your, your proper, proper like protections up. And so <clears throat> that's like the first piece of it is like really just understanding the value and beauty around um, if you charge, if you charge what you're really worth, you're going to be able to eventually um, create courses maybe for free because then you mm -hmm. can afford to do it. You're going to be able to grow your healing modality further because you can invest in yourself or in teaching others to do it like we've been doing at HPA. And um, understanding that sales is not evil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sales is everywhere and it is ever present. And then the, the other, uh, sorry, did you want to say something about that? No, uh, just that, that sales aren't evil. I think somebody told me, or it might've been in a book I read, just that everybody is selling something. Even if you work, you know, I used to be an interior designer a long, long time ago. I was still selling myself when I had an interview, you know, filled out my resume or, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're all selling something. So it's, it's a natural part of our human experience here. It's not icky. It's yeah. For the growth and expansion of other humans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and obviously like one thing that's super important for sales is selling products that are good, selling services that are good. That's the real problem out here with the whole sales thing is that like, um, uh, it's like, I like kind of make the joke about salespeople or, or multi-level marketers. Cause I was, I was in multi-level marketing. I do that. I do that on the side still is that like not all multi-level marketers or salespeople are evil, just like not all lawyers are, just like not all bankers are, just like not all politicians are. But, you know, if we're going to look at the pool, it's like there's, you know, uh, what's that? Stereotypes exist for a reason, right? Mm. And so just kind of helping people understand that there's, there's a compassionate aspect of it and that by you charging enough properly, you're actually filling your cup up so you have more to give. And that's like the really, really big thing. Then the other aspect of all of this has to do with self-worth and actually and negotiation. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the five big personality traits or not, um, but um, so uh, women tend to be, it's about 60-40. Women are higher in what's called trait agreeableness. Agreeableness is like compassionate, caring about people instead of like, caring about yourself, for example. And as a result, uh, like this is like, you've heard this, like uh, this is like the classic tale, like woman in high agreeableness is working at an office and she is the best, best work, comes in on time, stays a little bit later, off desk is clean, does the best work. And then a regular guy comes in and he's like, I'm gonna ask the boss for a raise today. Low mm -hmm. agreeable, right? And he goes and he asks and he gets it. And she's like, I don't need to ask him. He's going to see my work. He's going to give me that raise. And you see this all over the place. And so um, 
So that that's a kind of a big one too, is healers are empaths. Empaths are compassionate. Compassion means you're high in trade agreeableness. High in trade agreeableness means, uh, if we were to really summarize it, um, uh, prefers to avoid confrontation, especially with authority figures. And then two, doesn't like to make people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so when, as soon as you hit that, you're an empath, you're a healer, you're here to heal people. And now all of a sudden you got to press them for money. And now you're, uh, you're causing an owie for them. So there's a big resistance that, that happens there that I've seen a lot. Yeah. Um, and literally just bringing awareness to this type of stuff. When you just, when you understand your personality trait you see, okay, I'm high in trade agreeableness. That's great. It means I love people, but also it means I'm willing to sacrifice my comfort and well-being for somebody else. And if you do that, there's no one to give, right? Like that's the big, that's the big part about, about that. Yeah. So th- those two things, you know, and we go down, like um, we talk like about um, attachment theory and how, how the relationship with our parents and our um, kin as we're growing up, it can be brothers and sisters or uh, like growing up in school can affect our self-worth. And then um, how that bleeds into being compassionate and not asking for, for what you're worth. Hmm. Does anything come up for you on what money is on a spiritual level or just what is money? Well, what is money is a really interesting question. Um, I think on a spiritual level, I mean, that's an interesting question too, right? Because there's people that like, I think are uh, not super in integrity, spiritually, emotionally, who have a lot of money. Right. And, and so I definitely do believe that money is a form of energy. Mm. And that if you're in an abundant mind state, you will attract abundance of all kinds relationships, money, food, five pillars, you'll be healthy. And then if you're in a, obviously a scarcity mindset, then it's going to run the other way. For me, like money is definitely like an energetic um, representation. Um, the good and bad, as you know, a spirituality is just what like humans have labeled. Um, but I definitely do perceive it as uh, like an energetic type of exchange. Yeah. It was interesting when I went into my money blocks and story, because for me, money was the root of all evil for various reasons. And then I had to look at, well, what is money? Was money the evil? No, it was the people in control with the money or, you know, the, the humans in control of the money. That was where the quote unquote evil came from, not actually money. And mm-hmm. so shifting that relationship with money allowed me to receive it because essentially I was blocking it because I thought it was bad. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. And that, yeah. that's like probably the number one block that spiritual in spiritually inclined people have. And like, so like when I was living in Hong Kong, people, financial pillar, high. Spiritual pillar, very low. So they are abundant. Come to places like Vancouver, um, which I've been like surprisingly shocked and, and excited about the level of spiritual abundance that people have. But financial pillar, mm-hmm. low. So I was really like looking at the, the dichotomy of, wow, these people have abundance, but they don't. And these people have abundance, but they don't. And so I've been like, really, like my passion is to help the people. Imagine if we helped billionaires unlock their spiritual pillar. 
Mm. Imagine if we helped people with all this spiritual compassion and healing and empathy become millionaires. Like you want to change the world. You can, that's a really good place to start. And so that's a big part of my personal calling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. So can you speak to neuroscience, neuroscience and spirituality and how they work together? Do they work together? Science and spirituality? What does that look like? Cool. It's a, it's a really big question. Um, <laughs> okay. So I, I, um, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, this is, this is great. This is my favorite thing to talk about. So how I look at it is actually a spectrum. And so it goes like neuroscience, psychology, philosophy, spirituality, but it's on a spectrum. Um, if you're familiar with the hermetic principles, um, which I believe are the foundation of all current existing religions. Um, the first principle is called the principle of mentalism. And the principle of mentalism says the mind is the all, the all is the mind. And so this is like, a, you know, you can go down the law of attraction and, and all these types of things, ask and thou shalt receive, you know, you see it all over the place. You know, you, you are what you think, your thoughts create your reality, all of these types of things that are floating right now come from this principle and the um, most tangible um, bridge between above and below that I've been able to find is brainwaves and so um, we talk about in our in our courage program actually we talk about uh, the the wiring of the brain and then the brain waves and they're two very different things um, but they're both how the brain communicates uh, th yeah there's a lot to that so okay um <clears throat> there's various categories of brain waves um, we don't need to go through all of them um, but delta is when you're sleeping right theta is like deep states of meditation theta brainwave is where um uh, you can like immediately undo traumas that might take 20 years of talk therapy in a second. You can, it's hypnotherapy. People are dipping down into theta brainwave state. Alpha brainwave and beta brainwave are where we're active, where we're awake, where we're conscious. Um, alpha brainwave um, is what, actually we'll come, we'll, I'm going to end on alpha brainwave. Beta brainwave is our like when we're doing stuff, right? Uh, when we're thinking like, um, like when, uh, earlier when our, our Zoom wasn't on, like it was, it was a little off, right? And we're like, what's going on right now? Is the sound off? We're in a beta brainwave, right? We're like, what's happening right now? We're thinking, okay, so it's not working. And maybe we dipped into high beta. We're like, oh no, is this podcast even going to work right now? And we start going into mm -hmm. that fear statement. No, 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 let's get, let's, let's uh, oh, problem solve. Let's turn it off. Let's come back on. Beta brainwave is your to-do list. You know, we're doing stuff. I got to wake up. What, what clothes should I wear today? What do I want to eat for dinner? I got to pick up the kids. Uh, beta brainwave is working. High beta brainwave is disease. High beta brainwave is negative emotion. So you're looking back with anger to the past. You're in the present moment, self-deprecating talk, or you're looking to the future with fear. That's like the simplest way. And you're in a high beta brainwave state, which is like the equivalent of your brain going like, ah, and we've all been in those moments. Low beta brainwave is when we're uh, teaching or learning, for example. 
Um, like right now, if you like tune into your body, you can feel how your body feels right now. And you're listening contently. I'm teaching about brainwaves. It actually feels pretty good. It feels pretty safe, pretty comfortable. Um, now, alpha brainwave. Alpha brainwave is where like the real conscious superpowers happen. So alpha brainwave is when like, you know, Michael Jordan is like scoring 50 points, 52 points, 54 points, right? He's not thinking about what he's going to eat for lunch tomorrow. He's not thinking about mm -hmm. that fight he got with his wife. He's in the present moment. Elon Musk operates in this state a lot. He's got his days blocked in five minute increments, structured so much. He doesn't even need to think about his next thing. He's just like, oh, it's time to brush my teeth now. Oh, it's time to, and he's just boom, boom, boom. So he's never thinking, what do I need to do next? When do regular people uh, like us enter alpha brainwave? The most common one, the shower, right? Mm -hmm. How often have you heard, oh my God, I just got downloads in the shower, right? God just came through me in the shower. It's alpha brainwave state, just an alpha brainwave. Um, common places going for drives, right? You're in the moment, you're kind of self-soothing, especially in the middle of the shower, entering alpha brainwave state, getting, getting all these good ideas that seem to come out of nowhere, going on walks alone in nature. You're just in the present moment. You're entering into this alpha brainwave state. And um, that is like the real sweet spot where you where we want to spend our time. And there's lots of ways to train ourselves to come out of these states. And so um, that that's kind of like, if I could, because obviously you can tell I could talk about this for the next two hours, mm -hmm. um, but that would be like the bridge that I'm witnessing between the spiritual uh, pillar and the mental pillar or neuroscience and, and spirituality as, as a whole is, is having awareness of these different brain waves uh, um, really, really helps a lot. Yeah. I teach yoga Nidra. So yoga Nidra would, um, you know, when you're speaking to hypnosis and rewiring the brain or, you know, healing from different traumas quickly, that's kind of, that's a practice that you can do to mm -hmm. achieve that for sure. So alpha brain state, how do you get into an alpha brain state? Is it simply like, you know, showering, going for a walk in nature? Are there other ways that you can drop into the, the alpha Totally. And um, it's great, right? Because we read these teachings and everyone's talking about it, but people aren't talking about this. One of the best ways, if not the best way, and this will come as a real shock, gratitude, right? Mm. Do a gratitude journal. You just got to be grateful. Exercise greatness. It's in all, like the Bible. It's in all the Bhagavad Gita. Greatness, greatness, greatness is everywhere. This is why. Greatness. Um, when you're exercising, and it's so ridiculous too how, how much it works. Like you can like say someone like, I don't know, say like, actually let's use an example. Let's say something, actually that might be too intense. Let, let's just say like, okay, you're, you're cooking at home and you got a whole bunch of people coming over for dinner and you burn the food, right? So you go into high beta brainwave, right? I'm, mm. I'm an idiot. And what are people going to eat? La, 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 la. You can literally go someone stabs you in the back for with business, right? Something you go through a break. You can literally say, I'm so grateful that I can see. You mm -hmm. say it out loud. Right? I'm grateful that I have two legs and I can walk. I'm so grateful. I have access to clean drinking water. I'm so grateful. I live in a country where there's hot water and electricity. You can say things like that and it will calm you down. It will bring you out of those beta brainwaves and practicing gratitude, gratitude, gratitude will drop you into an alpha brainwave state. Um, my next favorite one is breath work, breathing. 
um, with, within Human Potential Academy, we kind of talk about like, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And these three things, they like when one happens, the other two follow. And it's the sympathetic nervous system being activated, the limbic system shutting off our executive functions or high beta brainwave. And so when we're doing different types of breath work, like one of my favorite ones, I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Huberman, he's a neuroscientist coming more on the scene now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He talks about this breath work where you go like this, you breathe all the way in. And then you take some sips of air and you exhale slowly oh, with a hum. Oh, it just calms you down, right? And that, um, so breath work, doing breath work mm-hmm. practices helps you uh, get into alpha brainwave state. Um, and, uh, the final one is actions of compassion. Mm-hmm. So, um, doing a compassion act for somebody, um, I'm sure you've, you may, you may or may not have heard of this before, but there's like this, uh, there's the myth of altruism. Altruism is like where you do something and you don't gain anything at all. And the reason that it's a myth is because of what we discovered in neuroscience, where even when you do do something good, that seemingly is out of your way, you get the chemicals, you get the dopamine, you get the, you get the good stuff. Um, because you did something good. I'm a hero. And doing actions of compassion for people will actually, it's so amazing, right? Like you go out and you give someone a compliment, they get the compliment and you get to lower your, get to put yourself into a more regulated brainwave state. You go and, you know, you, you know, give some homeless, some food, mm-hmm. right? Um, I work with this company called Actions of Compassion. And every month we do Compassion Kingdom on Hastings Street. We'll go and we'll give out food. We'll give out socks or toques or coats in the wintertime. And while we're out there, we're all aware that we're putting ourselves in these alpha brainwave states while also blessing people uh, that are in less fortunate situations. And so gratitude, breathwork, uh, actions of compassion. Those would be my my top three for for getting yourself into that more regulated state. Yeah. And that, I guess, would link to the nervous system as well, right? Because when the nervous system's regulated, you're more calm. I've been doing that breathing technique nonstop that you <laughs> just did because was put into high anxiety situations or whatever through the past month. And that breathing technique is really great. To yeah, I do it all the time. And, yeah. and what's cool about that breathing technique too, is when you're at the top and you do this, it's actually replicating the, the that happens. And so you're actually training yourself when you get into that high uh, stressful situation, you know, we, we start doing shallow breathing. So you're, you're kind of like training yourself for when you enter into that high uh, stressful situation, like your go-to response is to do this type of breathing that will actually regulate you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Are those similar to, cause you spoke to heart and brain coherence and the heart and brain working together. Are those similar techniques that would bring the heart and brain into coherence? Or can you speak to heart brain coherence and what that looks like? Again, well, you're asking really great questions. Um, Okay, so heart brain coherence. Um, A lot of people in the spiritual community talking about heart brain coherence, um, which is amazing. Um, But when you understand the science behind what's actually going on between the connection between the heart and the brain that actually changes the game entirely. Um, I'll, I'm going to speak just to like the hardcore science and then I'm going to dip a little bit into the like woo woo aspect of it. And, and some of the, I don't want to say theories, some of the things that I think are going on. Um, and I'll, I'll, I might as well start with that. So we, 
we don't know where consciousness comes from, right? We have mm. not found it. We have not found it in the brain. We found no evidence for it. It's one of the biggest mysteries. We don't know where our consciousness comes from. And I think it comes from the heart. Um, as fun as me, the first time I've said this on a podcast or I guess like in a public setting. So um, wh- why do I think that consciousness comes from the heart? There's a few different reasons. Um, the first one, which is like probably the most woo one of them all is ancient Egyptians kept the heart and the body and they took everything else out, everything else out, but they kept the heart in the body. It was like dead people. Yeah. The mummies. Oh, okay. Okay. All, yep. Dead people. Yeah. All the, all the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of the mummies have the heart in the body. Still, they keep the heart in the body. They take all the other organs out. They pretty much scramble the brain and pull it out. They don't even lay dispose of it, but they keep the heart in the body. Our heart produces an electromagnetic toroid, right? So it's like that that electromagnetic kind of toroidal field. And the, the toroidal field that it produces is way bigger than the one that our brain does. And our brain has, I can't remember exactly right now, it's slipping my mind, something like 70 like like trillion millivolts or something like that like you've seen the movie the matrix where the alien the robots are like just using the electricity from our brain to power their world or whatever blah blah blah. but there's so much electricity coming it's pretty much a bio it is a biochemical electrical battery but the our heart produces a way larger electromagnetic field okay and so this final piece is where the science kind of comes into it so Um, our body is covered in what's called sensory neurites. And so sensory neurites are like, like if you touch something hot and you go, ah, like your body reacted, it it didn't go to your brain and your brain went, that's really hot, pull it away, right? You just touch it and it it reacted. And this is because of something called sensory neurites. So sensory neurites, sensory, right? So they react to like things that are touching them and they're a form of neuron. They found a large cluster of these sensory neurites in the heart if you go and google this after you'll actually find that scientists have coined it the little brain so there's a large collection of these sensory neurites in the heart and they've already found that the heart sends direct messages to the brain like boom sends direct messages to the brain and so what i think is this electromagnetic toroid right is going out and it is going out and around us they've got it the energy is happening and is grabbing God, consciousness, intuition, whatever, bringing it in, sending that message up to our brain. And then we either go logic or emotion. And as soon as, you know, as soon as you've done that, that's not God's plan anymore. Now that's Lisa's plan, even if it's logic, even if it's emotion. And um, when you start bringing this awareness into all these types of things, the heart-brain coherence starts to become really, really interesting. Um, you know, um, like how I practice heart-brain coherence. One of the ways that I do it's about bringing your your consciousness, or your or your mind into your heart. That's that's how I like to do it. And so one of the ways that I do is I focus on breath, and then I try to feel my heartbeat. I just mm-hmm. try to tune into the heartbeat, and I and I focus in on it. And you, eventually you'll be able to feel it and you'll be able to feel it kind of pumping in your neck, pumping down your arms and doing these types of awareness and well, and uh, practices 
um, is a really great way to drop down into an alpha or even a theta brainwave state. A lot of times we get focused on breath, I find, you know, focus on your breath, focus on your breathing. Um, for me personally, when I do that, I literally think, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And if I'm doing that, I'm pretty much in a beta brainwave state. I'm thinking, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. But I just listen to my heartbeat and try to feel my heartbeat. I find it so like, for me personally, a, a, like a much more effective way for actually dropping into that type of like flow state. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And so that those are the spiritual aspects that you spoke of as well is like that kind of it's rippling out and taking out consciousness and God consciousness and all of that and bringing it in into the heart. That's really powerful. I, I was like, while you were doing that, thinking about envisioning my heart breathing and just like that drops you into it in a really mm -hmm really powerful way. So with, can you speak to relationships and how that would affect, like, as that's one of your pillars and how that would affect sales essentially? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, okay. So when I, when I first, uh, I first started doing sales, I was 20, right. I got thrust into this management position and I was as smart as the average 20 year old. Right. <laughs> and so I didn't know anything about anything. Um, you know, smart guy getting into neuroscience, kind of God, da, 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 da. but this really interesting thing happened. I hired these two guys, um, for door to door sales, right? I hired these two guys. One was like, uh, you live in BC, so you definitely know this guy, right? He's the wearing the toque all year round, hair past his shoulders, <laughs> probably hasn't showered in three days, and it's probably skateboarded to. The office probably smoked the bong right before definitely smoking bong right before my boardroom meetings right mm -hmm. okay so i hired mm -hmm. this guy <laughs> we all know that guy good guy right and um and then i also hired um and keep in mind i was 20 at the time but i hired this like i think it was 24 25 26 or something um blonde hair blue eye six foot two law student quarterback right trying to make some extra money in the summer right so i hire this guy and i'm like oh this guy's gonna get sales right i'm like yeah this guy's gonna get sales and this is actually what really sparked my obsession with understanding how people uh learn remember and then execute on information and so <clears throat> i hired these two guys at the same time week one they both are medium week two uh our skateboarding uh toque wearing in the summer friend starts selling starts selling pretty well right week three selling really well lawyer quarterback not so much week four week five and it actually got to the point where because i was like come on lawyer guy like you're gonna be a lawyer you're, you're you know you're a handsome compassionate guy what's going on here i actually got to the point where i uh, i had to let him i was gonna have to let him go the head office called me and they're like this guy's costing us more than he's making us so you mm -hmm. have to let him go if he doesn't pick it up what the heck's going on so i call this guy in and I remember being, I was quite brash as a, in my early twenties. And I remember pretty much saying to him, like, you might as well stop trying to be a lawyer. Like you're, you don't stand a chance. If you can't go out into this world and sell regular folks, this product, you don't have any chance of defending yourself in, in court. Like, I don't even know what you think you're doing right now. What's going on. And I, and I made the comparison. I'm like this, um, <laughs> 
I don't want to use the exact words that I use, but you know, this, this guy is out selling you right now. What's going on? Mm. And he was like, I'm fighting with my wife. So he's knock, 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 trying to sell, fighting with his wife. Knock, 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 trying to sell, fighting with his wife. So he's bringing that yucky, yucky. Meanwhile, like happy-go-lucky stoner guys, just like, I'm getting sales, make money, it's fun to talk to, right? Non-threatening. And um, <clears throat> okay, so I was like, what's going on here? What's happening? What are you guys fighting about? And he's like, you know, he's, he said the word, you know, the classic word, he's being a crazy, a crazy B word and blah, 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 blah. I was like, relax, like what's going on? She keeps tweaking whenever I go out with my buddies. So, and he, this was like, he was an honest guy. You know, this is the type of guy he's like doing well in school, like sweater vest, again, strong, tall, handsome, but like probably Christian going, like just by the books, honest guy, definitely not going to be a cheater. It's like, I go to with the boys, get some beers and we're playing some pool. And the whole time I'm there, she's yelling at, she's tweaking. You better be at home. Send me pictures. Show me that there's no girls there. What the, blah, 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 blah. Constantly, 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 constantly. I get home or fighting if I come home late, but I'm not doing anything wrong. Right. Mm. It's like, okay. Okay. And I was like, how's her relationship with her father? Right. We went down this rabbit hole. He started telling me about how he, you know, wasn't there and how he cheated and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. And I taught him about something that's called attachment theory. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with attachment theory, but um, so attachment theory very quickly, uh, there's four categories, different people talk about it in different ways, but there's essentially secure, anxious, avoidant, and uh, detached or disorganized. And we get branded with these attachment styles by both of our parents. So you might be a secure avoidant, you might be an anxious avoidant, you might be a anxious detached. So I taught him about avoidant or uh, or the anxious ambivalent attachment style right and i'm like and then i started talking about him a little bit more turns out he's got avoidant attachment style and this is the classic avoidant person dating an anxious person and they get into a fight avoidant person needs to step away and take a breather for for a couple hours anxious person needs to fix it now and what Mm -hmm. triggers both of them is exactly what they need to heal as an individual and cool down for a second so she actually ended up coming into the office. I kind of held like a couples, <laughs> so ridiculous in hindsight, like hang out. It's like just teaching them both and talking to them both. Sure enough, ended up helping them stop fighting. And then he was able to sell. And the, even the, the best part about this is, is uh, from a business standpoint is actually the retention because he kept coming back to sell. Mm-hmm. And so... um relationships are like if your relationships are in shambles you're in high beta brainwave and if you're in high beta brainwave you're in fight or flight and if you're in fight or flight your limbic system is shutting off your prefrontal cortex and your prefrontal cortex is your ability to like pretty much like it's pretty much like uh strategy, long-term thinking, emotional regulation, and a list of other incredibly useful things. And so um, it's really important, right? And like the, the biggest piece about all this, of course, just like with the taxes thing about in the beginning is all of this is just awareness, right? Like it's just being aware. Who are you? 
what's your attachment style, what's your personality traits, and more importantly than who are you, who is the person that you're in a relationship with? If they're anxious, ambivalent, and you guys get into a fight, then don't be upset when they're doing what their attachment style is, which I want to fix this right now. I want to fix this right now. And so the biggest part, like for me with, and it's uh, very passionate about this, um, is equipping the next generation with these types of awarenesses, like, um, you know, meditation practices, people should know how to downregulate their own nervous system, how to do taxes, right? People should know how to do taxes. I still barely know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I've had a business for a decade. Um, And then awareness, awareness of themselves and also others so they can see people for who they are and love them for who they are instead of just being like, you're acting like a lunatic, being like, oh, clearly you have a detached and an avoidant attachment style. Clearly you're very low in trade agreeableness and, and neuroticism. And so you're, you're more brash and just being able to look at people for who they are and understand them and love them for where they're at. Um, and that helps sales. Cause you just, you can't do, it's really difficult to do sales when you're coming forth in a fight or flight mind state. And the fight or flight mind state is like congruent energetically to scarcity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that fight or flight. In my experience, it's like you can't bring what you actually desire and you're pushing everything away because you're not open to receive is what it it feels like. You know, it might be like, oh, I want to call in a lover or something or abundance. But if you're like super fight or flight, you're just pushing everything away. Like you're kind of repelling it all. Um, So with MLM, do you want to speak at all to MLM or is that like a totally separate thing. I think it's interesting. I do ML, MLM, I do mm-hmm. Healy and mm-hmm. frequency device, you know, mm-hmm. but it's crazy. The belief systems that come up for people mm-hmm. around MLM. And I had them because I used to do doTERRA a really long time ago. And it yep. was like, Ooh, you know, like, Ooh, and that, that came up with Healy, but you know, doing it, it's like this beautiful business model because I'm like supporting my friends. We're kind of on a team, you know, we're all in it together. So it's actually incredibly beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I'm super happy to talk about it. Like, especially now, um, having more than one stream of income is no longer a luxury for the middle, upper middle and middle uh, and upper class. Having more than one stream of income is a requirement. Mm. You gotta have one. Um, How come you have to have one? Does anything go... Is there anything that can uh, be around I have that? the economic crisis of North America and most of the planet right now, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Things are really expensive and um, yeah, when right now, one of the crises that a lot of uh, workplaces are facing is people have, people have opportunities for where to work. So mm-hmm. they quit and they go somewhere else. Um, so, so, so anyways, um, multi-level markets. Um, yeah, they're fantastic. Like they're, they're, and again, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, most people in multi-level markets and debatably most people are not coming from a heart space when they're doing business. They're coming from a greedy space. I want to make money. I'm going to sell you this product, whether it's uh, good or bad. Um, 
one thing that always confused me about certain multi-level marketers is they're like, I didn't get into multi-level marketing to be a salesperson. If I wanted to be a salesperson, I would sell houses. I would sell boats. Uh, you know, I would sell freaking rocket ships. I would sell airplanes. I wouldn't sell these smaller products. Kongen's a little bit more of a high ticket item, but even then the point of multi-level marketing and the only way to be successful is to develop a team at it is to, to develop a team. And so it's not just about selling someone and leaving them to hang out and dry, which is what most people in multi-level markets do. They sell mm -hmm. someone and then they don't know how to actually support the person because they didn't actually get supported. And it's just kind of this like, like generational trauma getting passed down of sell people. And then all you need to do is sell people and you're going to be successful. 80% of people join multi-level markets, not for the product, not for the money, 80% for the culture or knowledge or to follow an individual. So it's either to be led by an individual to get certain knowledge or the culture, um, which says a lot. And so what I love about multi-level markets, um, like especially in Agic, I'm not sure about um, uh, Healy in this aspect, but um, we don't have to make the product. We don't have to do the payroll. All we need to do is develop teams and sell the product. And so we can make teams anywhere on the planet, right? I've got a node in Hong Kong. I've got a node in Ghana. I've got a node in London. I've got a, teams across Canada. And so it's just such a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity for people. And like, uh, I can't remember exact stat. I think it's supposed to be 30%, but who knows where these stats actually come from. I think it's supposed to be something like 30% of businesses are going to be adopting a multi-level marketing uh, strategy for selling their businesses. Because what a lot of people don't understand about multi-level marketing is that these businesses don't spend any money on marketing. They don't spend any money on commercials. They don't spend any money on emails. They don't spend any money on calls. They don't spend any money on marketing. 100% of that marketing and sales budget goes to people who buy the product, like the product, and then refer people to the product. And so as a result, if your multi-level market has been around for 5, 10, 20 years, you know the product's good. The multi-level markets that go under, and most of them do go under, um, don't have a good product. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a good product, then it's going to stand the test of time because it's simply referral-based business. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense with all of marketing and everything. And so that's going to the people that are yeah. selling it in a beautiful, beautiful way. Do you want to speak to any offerings that you have coming up with the Human Potential Academy? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, uh, so we are, we're, we're high ticket coaches. Um, and so as a result, like we spoke about earlier, not everybody can afford our services, right? And so um, what we've done as a result of that is we're making a masterclass series that's starting uh, this coming March. Um, and the masterclass series is going to be a one month kind of like intensive, but also sneak peek of what our full, full courage, courage program is. Um, so normally our coaching ranges from uh, $3,000 up to eight, uh, depending on the individual that you're working with. 
um, but this Courage Masterclass series, it's going to be a group container instead of the one-on-one intensive. It's going to be a group container and it's going to be $500. Um, we're bringing, I think, 15 to 20 people in and uh, really, really excited about that. We've also got our, uh, I don't know if you can make it to the, the mainland for April, but we're doing one of our intensive two-week, two um, we're doing one of our HECA events where we do our four four hour intensive with the one week intention and then the one week integration. We do those three or four times a year. The next one's going to be April 15th. Um, so that those would be the, oh, and also um, we're doing a, a relationship container with someone named Dr. Divi. Uh, she's fantastic. Um, it's going to be myself, Brian and Dr. Divi. She's like a next level intuitive uh, individual. It's just phenomenal. The, the spiritual works that she does. Um, uh, it's the type of stuff that'll make non-believers believe when she, the work that she does, because they can see things happening right in front of their very eyes. Um, I take more of a clinical approach, right? So more of the, like the psychology and like the, the strategies that couples should uh, embody to like i'm not sure if you heard of the gottman institute they do a lot mm-hmm. of research out of out of seattle so i i, I draw a lot of stuff from them some stuff from jordan peterson and some other things that i've come across in my own so the clinical like you know understand thyself understand your person you guys need to meet uh, x amount of hours to do dates and these types of things and then brian one of the partners and president of human potential academy he's really focused on embodiment and intimacy practices so he's going to be teaching people how to hold space and how to do different types of activities that that uh, bring in intimacy uh, deeper into their into their connection. And we've been getting a lot of requests for relationship stuff. Um, so that's also starting in uh, in April. So March masterclass series, um, incredibly discounted, really, really, really great. The takeaways from that is they're going to have amazing morning routines and have psychological resilience practices. And then our um, relationship um, container that we're starting with Dr. Divi come come April. Mm-hmm. Nice. And the in-person one mainland, is that Vancouver? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. What has been your, your biggest lesson along the way? My biggest lesson. Mm -hmm. You think I'd have that one spring loaded, eh? Um, My biggest lesson would be, <laughs> I thought of a few. I thought of one, which is like follow your heart, your heart. but then another one is um, it's never a good time to panic. Mm. Um, and that, and that, that one's always funny. I always laugh at that because there's literally zero scenarios where it's a good, a good time to panic. And um, consistency is king. That would actually be the one. Consistency is king. That that that's definitely the one. When it comes to habit formation, um, you know, do yoga five minutes a day. It doesn't need mm-hmm. to be thirty. You know, it doesn't need to be thirty. Right? Exercise ten minutes a day. It doesn't need to be an hour or two hours at perfect at the gym. It doesn't need. It doesn't need to be perfect. It needs to be consistent. That would be. Mm-hmm. That would be it. And and then it's never a good time to panic that consistency that's a big one and showing up just as you are it doesn't have to be perfect it's like, especially when you don't want to yeah like yeah. that like especially when you don't want to showing up when you want to is like easy like it's almost like who actually like who cares if you showed up if you wanted to it's when you don't want to 
Like that's the, that's, that's what makes it so, so good. And, and your, your life will just change and evolve. Your relationships will improve. Um, just exercising a little bit of discipline. Um, keep the promises that you make to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. How do you experience the mysteries? How do I experience mysteries? The mysteries. Yeah. The mysteries. Mm-hmm. Oops. Yeah. Um, I think I know what you're asking. And I would say that, um, uh, dreaming and reflecting and uh, with courage. Right. Like the thing about courage and bravery is that um, fear has to be present for them to even exist. Like for if you want to be exercise courage, you have to be scared to be brave. So so in order to like unlock yourself and truly experience the mysteries, you're going to understand that it's going to be scary. And then you're going to understand that the only way to actually experience them is to be courageous and to be brave. Mm-hmm. And that's like, whether it's like, whether that is some sort of very confronting reality of a way that you need to evolve as an individual, you have to be courageous in that exploration or, or um, yeah, that would be it. That's a good question. Mm. How do you root into the self? Breath work. Yeah, breath work and knowledge, breath work and knowledge. Like I, I truly believe that um, the only resource more valuable than water is knowledge, um, and so understanding and then embodiment practices. I root into the self with meditation, reflection, knowledge, meditation. Yeah, nice. Is there anything else that you want to add to this conversation? that I haven't touched on before we close. Um, no, that was great. Yeah. That was, that was really, really fantastic. I, I really appreciate uh, having on and yeah, you asked some really great questions. Uh, that was, um, that was, uh, you did a great job. So thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And it'll be in the show notes where everybody can reach out and experience your, your magic and your medicine. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.